I had the perfect life. I was running an aviation company. I lived right on the ocean uh, in, a, in a beautiful complex. And then that company sold. So my work environment there changed very, very quickly and I didn't adapt very well. So I, I, that took a lot of fixing, but I was very fortunate. I picked up the phone at the right time and spoke to somebody who I'd never met before and they helped me work my way through that. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator of the Community Information Centre in Townsville. And today I'm talking to Hilton Ward, owner of Elite Aviation Services. Hilton established his business in Winton five years ago and quickly embedded himself in the community as a business person and tourism operator. He also helps out with the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. He talks to us through these experiences, covering business development in remote areas, mental health and a little dash of romance. This episode of Brave was produced across the lands of the Koa, Bindle and Woolgarugaba people. The Townsville Community Information Centre acknowledges and pays respect to the traditional custodians of this country. Thanks for joining me today, Hilton. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what's Elite Aviation Services? It's a small aviation company. And it's effectively born and bred in Winton. Um, it was, I, I was in, based on the coast and things changed there for me, which gave me the opportunity to reconsider where I was going. And uh, I got the opportunity to, to, to at least put all the, the, the framework in place um, for a small company, which is what I really wanted to do, helicopters and planes. And then an opportunity at Winton came up. So I've, I grabbed that. How long have you been based here in Winton? Five years. Yeah. So take me back then, how long have um, planes and helicopters been in your life? Uh, I started flying when I was 16. Uh, my stepfather's a pilot, still is. And um, he introduced me to it. I loved it anyway. I, when I first met him, I was nine and I'm just going, wow. <laughs> so at 16, I, um, I started flying at the flying school, worked there on weekends to help pay for it all. And I, I was very lucky. I just worked my way through it and yeah, was able to do exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I started, I was born just uh, in Chinchilla Hospital. So I was primarily around Chinchilla, Chindawi, uh, that area when I was younger. And I, I, I spent a bit of time with both sets of parents and my grandparents. So I, I moved around a little bit, but that, that uh, worked for me because it gave me the chance to meet a lot of different people and, and adapt to different situations. And my working life has always ended up that that's actually helped me all my life. So, yeah, it's been good, good. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I've got uh, a sister who's uh, a blood sister and then I've got a, a stepbrother and sister and, um, yeah, they're, they're great, they're good, they're all doing well. And do they all move around as well or are they...? Yeah, one's a journalist. <laughs> my brother's a journalist, my sister, um, she works in a, in a, a lot of support roles. Um, and what was growing up like? What were your experiences during schooling and um, friendships and, and everything in those times? I was pretty quiet at school, um, but in saying that, I had friends that sort of I got to know people. I got used to meeting people quickly. Mm. And apart from planes, because you you sort of dabbled in that at sixteen, you said, "What did you do for fun growing up?" Uh, You're a quiet kid, but what did you used to get up to? I used to play rugby league for school and also on weekends for the clubs. And uh, but I my great love was motorbikes. I used to race motorbikes as well. Um, yeah. 
So. You've always been around engines by the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, noisy things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my family, when I was really young, my, my father set me up on a motorbike and that was, that, that was the one thing that I always, all my whole life I've had motorbikes. But it was a sense of freedom which, and the only thing that could equal that was aviation. So, yeah, so you could just hop on and just go where you wanted to go, when you wanted to go and, yeah, mm. obviously that really ticked a box for me. I didn't get bored or anything. I was always on my motorbike if I was home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the process like for you back then at 16 getting your licence and being able to fly? Apart from it, it was expensive but I loved it so much it was just so worth doing um, and it wasn't ego-driven. I used to have a few people when I was younger say, you just want to be a jet pilot or whatever. It, it wasn't to do with that. I just loved it. And the fact that my stepfather was also a pilot as well and he flies both, um, I just wanted that existence and that that to be where I wanted to be. So I, I went into another career path. I um, I, and that was to save money for flying. So to, to pay for it, I went and I was very lucky again. I ended up uh, building resorts. Um, so I, so I, I picked up an apprenticeship as a carpenter for a company that built resorts and then I stayed with them. That, to this day, a lot of those people and the person that owns that company is a very close and dear friend. Yeah, so How they, long yeah. were you with them for, sorry? Oh, right through to... Until I was thirty, I ended up <laughs> I ended up running the the little business, the, the resort projects for them. But I was flying to the resort, so I was still flying. I incorporated the flying into the building because we were always remote, so it worked in every instance. It was just a, a great opportunity. Yeah. But still, the aviation called you back. You didn't stay in the construction industry. No, and I did never give it up. I just always stayed with the aviation. It took me a, a while because it's expensive to get all the licenses. So I did I, I did private. Aeroplane first because that was the cheapest and then I did commercial helicopter because that's what I really, really wanted to do and then I went back and did commercial plane and went into seaplanes and twin engines and bigger helicopters and turbines and, and, and instead of having holidays, I'd do that. I'd do another level. With the helicopters, where did that take you to get a commercial licence? How, how, how do you use them in a commercial way? Uh, well, out here, for example, primarily the one I've got here I use for tourism. But it also backs up for survey work and for property inspections, for all that sort of thing. Um, but it, it, being out here and being in, in remote areas, you end up on media jobs as well. And in the Torres Straits, I've ended up a lot of last year with COVID and everything. I ended up with flying around doctors and nurses and police and electricians and essential services. So they're particularly good at that sort of thing. That's the, the helicopters. Because they can get to places a lot quicker than a plane. Is that right? Well, the plane's quicker but they can get you into more remote areas. Right, so, okay. for example, we want to go to here. There's no runway. Let's just go. The, uh, the main draw card is the fact that it's so versatile. Yeah. Mm. But the, the, the plane is great for – that's your speed item. We want to go – you want to go to Brisbane now, we can do it. So, yeah. so you just mentioned that what your role played during COVID mm -hmm. with your helicopter. What role did you play during the monsoon floods? Yeah, that was um, – that, yeah, very. it came out of left to centre. Um, for me, we were moving. We had a couple of machines working. I, I had to get another pilot in and I bought a, a machine in from Brisbane as well to um, move move hay, obviously, because that was just nonstop. Um, at the time, I had a twin-engine plane here and we were using that for um, for government employees to, to moving around. For example, the mayor, we took Gavin over to Richmond for meetings and and, and in a local environment, we could uh, move people around with the plane to get them to where they need to be. And the helicopter was doing 
the, the support work. So um, that was an amazing time. If you want a positive on all that, I've never seen so many helicopter pilots from so many different companies or even aviation altogether work so well together. Nobody uh, ever did anything to – if they did anything, they were all helping each other, they were giving each other fuel, they were giving each other support. Um, that, that was a, a real show of community spirit. I've, I've, it was amazing. Yeah. Are you the only aviation company out here? No, there's one – probably in charter, probably probably sort of more the tourism side in town, but there's, a, there's another charter operator here and there's a couple of other – Mustering companies here, and it works well. They, they, a lot of those guys primarily work on the land stuff, but they, there's another couple around here that will, can tackle anything as well. Yeah. Mm. Do, yeah. Have you ever dabbled in the mustering cattle? No, not really. I um, I did a couple of years for a, a, a cattle, a, a bit of a cattle baron for want of a better word, and, and I spent a lot of time with him in different machines. We used to fly him and his wife around. That was an interesting time in my life, but no... To help people, yeah, but not. it's never something I've chased, as in commercially. Yeah. Mm. Through – you've been in the aviation industry for many years. Yeah. During that time, what changes have you seen and had to diversify your business to stay afloat? Uh, I, I probably – I guess when – because I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> when I learned to fly, I learned in older aircraft – um, that took a lot more, I guess, for want of a better way, doing it a lot more skill. The, the newer aircraft, like the cars, are a lot easier to drive. The, the newer helicopters, the newer planes are a lot easier to um, to utilise. That that would be the one thing that really stands out. Um, and it's amazing you can pick that up if you're um, training up new pilots and things that you do for granted with, with, with the older, more experienced pilots, they'll do a certain interning or lifting or something like that. They'll do something just naturally, but it seems to be a skill that I've really noticed, particularly I've done a lot with new pilots lately. And, uh, yeah, it's just um, I'm just grateful I learned when I did in the older aircraft because I'm sure it saved me many times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. To learn and to get a helicopter pilot licence now, what's involved Look, it's not something I've really looked into properly, but they I know they can do it through a TAFE course now um, in association with flying schools and uh, it's it's a lot easier to, and you and you can get, I think, is it HEX or whatever that mm. – I, I think there's a way of doing that now. So it, it's a lot easier for somebody who wanted to do it now. It's a, I think I, I think mine's 79000 it cost me and I guess to a lot of people now that's not a lot of money, but for me it was a lot of money. $79,000. So, yeah, all up, all my, all that my licenses. That years ago was yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. still a lot of money today. Yeah, yeah. but I, I don't ever regret it. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of your business development, what has that looked like? Fantastic. I, um, like I said, uh, Elite's really born here. We operate as Outback from above. Um, which is like a tagline to to use because it suits out here. So we have here and then we've got another little base up at Hellscape Roadhouse, which is up in the Gulf, and we do heli-fishing there. So that's only just opened that this year. So we do the tourism now, with um, which is exciting in Winton just now. We've got Rangelands, which is a new resort, which has just opened. Australian Age of Dinosaurs, we have a helipad up there. Those guys are amazing. Lark Quarry, there's a runway. Um... We're incorporating Milton Pub and also Opelton in the new projects for next year, which are new products coming online. And then, of course, with the plane, we can fly people straight up into the Gulf for the heli fishing, and that's just ticked every box. It's just really um, 
I, I didn't know that's where it'd lead when I first came out here. I, I came out and and uh, within three days I had a house, a hangar, and a helicopter. And I've gone. This place is just wonderful. The people are wonderful. I love it, and I haven't looked back. So entering into the tourism sector of things, what support is there for you as a tourism operator to be able to grow your business? Um, locally, the people really are your best support. They're, they're my best advertising. Um, we have a, a couple of – this is a very strong community. I, I, I just back Winton for everything. But we, we have a Winton Business Tourism Association. I'm actually president of that um, as well. So got involved in that and we've been working at building that and, and having awards nights and and we do all that in in combination like the council is a huge supporter of all these sort of things. So they get involved and uh, that makes it more doable. You know, it's only a small community so it takes every – everybody has to do their bit. So that works. And then um, the festivals, I'm also president of the Outback Festival. Those sort of things really, really help. Um, yeah. What kind of crowd does that bring to the community, an Outback Festival? Well, I, it, it varies every year, but I'm, I'm, and I haven't got the figures for this year, but it'll be in, you know, four to 5,000 for this year. It'll be something like that, so yeah. that's good. Um, but, that, but there you go. That, the, I, the first job I did out here in tourism was the Outback Festival one year and the person who heads up Big Red Bash came and saw me and said, we want you there. And I thought, oh, I'll never hear from him again, but... Uh, I did, and uh, and I've been doing Big Red Bash ever since. Well, your camera races ever since. So one thing led to another, led to another. We all know each other. They all know each other. So, so tell yeah. me about the Big Red Bash. What's that one? It's um, a music festival in the Simpson Desert, and it's um, Big Red. It's a, it's a sand dune. It's the biggest sand dune there, and uh, that it's got quite an icon near Birdsville Hotel. Very iconic. Ten thousand people in the desert. It's it's wild, and we just. Yeah, we operate that the helicopter there, and that's done as a team with them. So they, the the money that's generated from that goes to charity. It's um, that's yeah, fantastic organisation. Yeah, you've just told me a couple of hats that you wear between your volunteering roles. Yeah, uh, what other hats do you have? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh no, that's enough. <laughs> No, I do, I do. I feel like you're a busy man and I think you've got a couple <laughs> tucked away there. <laughs> I do. I, I help in a support roles uh, with CASA um, and doctors in the aviation field. I'm by no means a doctor. And what's that? What's CASA? CASA Civil Aviation Safety Authority. Yep. So I work closely with, with their doctors and, and pilot um, groups and I do a lot of stuff with them and, um, and enjoy that. Obviously it's an interest close to me, so, yeah. So sorry, explain that to me. You work with the doctors and the nurses in CASA. Are they the ones looking at helping the people get their licences or are they...? Uh, more, more to do with um, keeping aviation medicine right. You know, people are struggling like... Especially, I'll use a, a perfect example as a pandemic right now. There's a lot of Qantas pilots, Virgin pilots, all struggling with mental health and abuse of one kind or another that they've slipped into due to the fact they're not working. Um, so we help where we can with that and and and, and my role is quite simply uh, an ear to listen to and put the people that sort of get themselves in an awkward position in a place they don't want to be get them as quickly as possible back into where they do want to be and with with the help of help with like ASA for example aviation medicine and any other doctors that associated in that sort of role so it's it's um 
yeah, it's something I care deeply about and, and, and it's, it's working uh, well. I mean, it's under stress just now because of the situation that we've got with the pilots, all those pilots out of work. That just It's just hard. But, uh, look, it's yeah, there's a lot of good stories there too. So, yeah, yeah. Mental health is something that doesn't discriminate. No. And um, it's, it's everywhere and it's mm. in every sector. It, it's big in the aviation sector. Yep. Why is that? Look, I, and it's, I'd like to answer it a better way. I just haven't got the words there at the moment, but I'll put it down to this. And this is just from my own – this is my own opinion on this. Yep. But my, my take on it is a, a pilot becomes a pilot because that's what they want to do. That's and, and it becomes their whole world. You talk to anyone who's a pilot in a pub and you start talking about aviation and that'll be the end of the conversation until the rest of that night. Um, and I, I don't say it's dissimilar to doctors – and nurses or dentists or anybody in that sort of professional role, they put their whole world, their whole lives generally, a lot of years, a lot of money, a lot of training into that. When it doesn't go the way that they were hoping, that just throws them four or six. And on a negative side, it can throw them very quickly because they feel like they've lost everything. They haven't. They've usually still got And something that they've just invested so much yeah, yeah. into. Exactly. Yeah. So um, Mentally, emotionally, financially. Yeah. On the positive side, because they've put so much into it and they're quite capable and quite strong people, um, they will do anything they can to save that. So the success rate in being able to recover from that is very high, which is great. Yeah. Going back many years ago, if a pilot um, wasn't okay... How did that look in the aviation industry to how it looked now? Because years ago mental health was so hard to talk about and some that stigma around, you know, and I see it still in some sectors and careers today, not particularly aviation, but if that person was to disclose that mentally they were not okay, that could affect their career. So that had probably just about, yeah. that well, and, and this is just a very good example, like she just said there. What would happen was people would try and hide that as best they could. That, that's exactly right. And then that, of course, then they're struggling. They can't say anything because they'll probably lose their medical, which means that's their career gone. But, uh, yeah, so they'd get around the best way they could. Yeah, mm. Has that changed? Yeah. Uh, not for everybody, but it certainly it's, it's on the improve and, and, and a lot better, a lot more positive. Uh, people sort of get that now that sometimes people aren't okay. Mm. And if you stick your hand up and, 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 and it's based on honesty and trust and, and – and, just completely that really is just honesty and trust. Trust that you're doing the right thing the best you can possibly do and trust the person you're talking to that they'll help where they can and it's going to come back to yourself at the end of the day to get yourself through it. But if you can talk to the people that do understand and, and can do something to help you with that, then, uh, gee, that's, that's a massive thing. I'll go back to my question I had before, which you mentioned that it's something that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh Oh, look, I've, 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 I've been down that road. I had the perfect life, so I, so I thought. And uh, what, what happened was I was running an aviation company, which was my baby, and I thought that would be where I'd always be. I lived right on the ocean, uh, right on a beautiful, you know, in a beautiful complex, wake up every morning, look out over the ocean. And then I got to a point where that company sold it, it was sold with the resort and a few other things. So my work environment there changed very, very quickly. I wasn't the person that controlled all the strings, so I had to adapt to that. 
and I didn't adapt very well. <laughs> Change is hard. <laughs> so, um, so I struggled with that and at the time I had a partner at the time and we managed that, that the place where we lived. Beautiful. I thought we had the perfect life. When I look at it in hindsight, she was working all the time. She was really managing that herself. I was off flying seaplanes and helicopters and, and really I was enjoying everything but she wasn't. So she left with two weeks' notice. And uh, that was <laughs> that rocked me for a bit. So I, I, that took a lot of fixing. I, I had to dig deep for that one. But I was very fortunate. I picked up the phone right, at, I suppose, at the right time and spoke to somebody who I'd never met before and they helped me work my way through that. So because I, my biggest fear was not being able to fly again because I was in such a bad way and, and it didn't get to that. It, well, I, well, what happened was we... Contact exactly what I was talking about. Contacted Casa and said, "Look, this is not going so good. I didn't. I hadn't done anything wrong. I wasn't in trouble or anything like that. But I just, mm. yeah. But you're I, we, brave. Yeah. You're brave. <laughs> you so were, he contacted them. Were, <laughs> no, and I, just, I say you're brave not because like, oh, you're brave for taking that on. You're brave for making that phone call and and for recognizing that you were yeah. not okay and recognizing that it was okay to get help." Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm just very lucky with the people that I ended up talking to and saying, well, look, things aren't great but we can work it and they said, of course we can. And uh, we looked at a couple of things. It took a little bit of sorting out and um, it gave me an insight into aviation medicine and a lot of those people that I first talked to are now close friends and it's, yeah, a good outcome. So are you now that person that sometimes is on the other end of the phone? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. And like I said earlier, mental health doesn't discriminate, does it? No. No. Not at all. I suppose in being in aviation, you've got a highway to fall, don't you? Along yeah, yeah it'll hurt. Yeah, no, that's for sure. So you gave me a little bit of what's next for you in terms of um, the fishing. What yeah. else do you have up your sleeve and where else do you see yourself going? Um, I plan to be here. I've only been here, like I said, five years. In that five years, I've met a beautiful person who I married this year. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she has a four-wheel drive tour company, Red Dirt Tours, in town. And so we both work in tourism and we both – I like to think that we support each other. I, I whack on my bus driver's uniform. There's another cap. Whack on my bus See, driver's uniform. I told you yeah. you had many hats on there. I just had to be able to pluck yeah. them out and get them out of you. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we, we operate them. So we're working on a lot of little projects but the idea is that I stay primarily home. I can get to the, the heli fishing thing. I usually put another pilot – I did this year. I put another pilot up there. So um, we're um, optimistically looking forward. Uh, COVID for us has – I can't deny that it hasn't been good. It has. It's, um, it's given us a lot of opportunities. A different clientele have been coming through with different expectations. There's one little tour I do, which is a sunset tour with the helicopter, and we pick people up and then fly them around and show them all the area and then land at this remote location. And um, we have nibbles and beers and wine, and, 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 and they sit there and watch the sun go down. I go and hide in the bush somewhere. <laughs> now I go for a walk and leave them alone, and that's taken off this year so it's certainly been very very good for us yeah. how many people can you fit in your helicopter to do that oh it's a it's a yeah, i can take three but i tend to take two usually couples yeah yeah and they love it it's just it seems to hit home there's quite often tears and there's been proposals and there's been all that sort of thing so, oh, so you get to be a part of all of that and, and, and oh well you'd see well, that not a part okay. of it yeah. but you get to yeah yeah that's right sorry yeah. what did you say was the name of the tour place that your wife is now running oh red dirt tours and yeah. what does that um so we she, did see that bus last night 
Yeah, um, she does. Came into town, yeah. Four-wheel drive uh, tour expedition. So she's got private access to private land and takes people there and then also take to La Quarry for those who don't want to drive their cars to La Quarry. They can, uh, Vicky takes them on a tour through one of the properties on the way out. Uh, she also takes people up to Australian Age of Dinosaurs and she also does a sunset tour up at Rangeland. So, right, yeah. so she's on land, you're in the sky. Yep. Yeah, and we've actually just started mixing it. I, I, we've we've had guests where she'll do her tour, and I'll pick them up in the paddock, and, and we'll take them with mine. Yeah, and that's working well. Yeah, that's really good, Hilton. And it sounds like you've done really well at diversifying your business um, and developing it through. And it's good to hear that um, there's no sound of you leaving the community. No. It sounds like you've um, <laughs> you've met your match here. Yeah, no, it's um. It's perfect for me. I love it. I love the community. I love the people. It's a small town with a very big heart and, yeah, it's, I'm proud every time I'm away and this, I say where I'm from and, and I often get very good feedback. So, yeah, Thank it's you. great. It's good. It's been an honour talking to you today. Great. Thank you for Thank joining me. Thank you for having me. I hope it all goes well. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.